You're listening to Inside Content, the TV industry podcast. This show is brought to you by Three Vision, a global TV industry consultancy specializing in content acquisition, strategy, research, and business development. Each episode, we give you VIP access to the views and experiences of senior TV executives and discuss the latest TV industry trends and insights. I'm Hayley Bull, VP at Three Vision, and on this episode, I'm joined by two guests from Samsung TV Plus Pauline Coughlin, European Licensing Lead, and Benedict Frey, Country Lead for the Dash region. We explore their content strategy, including how they're making their content decisions, the type of relationships they have with distributors, and what content is working best. We also dive into what's needed for Fast to grow in Europe and how broadcasters are entering the game. Benny and Pauline, very pleased to have you join us on Inside Content. There's a huge amount of interest at the moment in what Samsung are, are doing from across the industry and especially in the, the run-up to MIPCOM. So we're grateful to have you join us and, and share some of your, your insights with us and our listeners. Um, I'm aware kind of Samsung's activities are varied and fast, so I thought it would be helpful if we could hear from you both, first of all, on your roles within the company and specifically get a short overview on what Samsung are doing with your TV product, Samsung TV+. Absolutely. Hi, Hayley. Um, thank you for inviting me to the podcast today. So um, I'm Pauline. I'm the European Licensing Lead at Samsung. So I oversee the strategy and content acquisition for Samsung's owned and operated channels across Europe, which incorporates uh, 16 countries. Um, just for a little bit of background, I joined Samsung four years ago. So at the beginning of the TV Plus ramp up and EU expansion. So the evolution of the service has been incredible incredible to witness firsthand. Um, for those that may not know, Samsung TV Plus is Samsung's free ad-supported streaming video service. It's available on all Samsung devices, including smart TVs from 2016 to current, and it's also available on tablets and mobiles. No login, subscription, additional device or credit card needed. Um, and then currently we have around um, 2,000 plus channels globally on 500 million devices globally. Wow. Um, thank you, Pauline. That's great. And, and Bene, thank you for joining us too. Yeah. Hi, I'm Bene. Thanks for the invitation. Uh, I'm uh, the country lead for the Dutch region or GSA, um, however you want to see it. <laughs> um I'm overseeing the, the strategy uh, of the DAF region, uh, so Germany, Austria, Switzerland, um, and uh, we are further ramping up our channels in these countries uh, to get more premium content on board, um, mainly with uh, third-party channels, uh, but also uh, with all these op- owned and operated um, initiatives uh, P is heading, uh, Pauline is heading, um, and um, yeah, that's pretty much uh, what uh, we are doing at the moment. And uh, the fast market is uh, evolving uh, very fast. And um, yeah, from my personal experience, I've been in the broadcasting business uh, before I joined Samsung, Samsung three years ago. So therefore, um, that's pretty, uh, pretty good for me to understand uh, all the different uh, angles and views. Great, thank you. And I think we're going to 
briefly talk about kind of broadcaster activity in fast um, later in the session. So you'll be great to, to talk to about that. But let's start with kind of content strategy. Um, tracking some of your activity with TV Plus, we can see that there are multiple ways that you're working with content providers from third party channel acquisition to licensing deals for owned and operated, which, which you look after, Pauline. Could you talk to some of the ways that you are collaborating with, with content owners, Pauline? Sure. Um, so from an O&O perspective or, or licensing point of view, we work with content partners that, that need to deliver in accordance with our own internal content strategy. Um, we seek premium content, content that's recognisable with a recognisable cast. So no surprises there. Um, we also seek content that will resonate with the viewer in each country. Um, and as a content provider, if you only have a small library of content, we can still license your content uh, to be scheduled into one of our compilation channels. So that's one of the key differences. You don't have to have a vast library uh, of content to work with Samsung. Additionally, um, on the licensing side, you know, we will do the heavy lifting for our partners. So from curation through to scheduling, um, incorporation of the ad furniture. So it's a real end-to-end um, -end process. And Samsung will do all of that on behalf of uh, the partners that we work with. Great. So there are, there are multiple points of entrance to work with Samsung as a content provider. You can take their content and, and use that in your owned and operated channel, or you could take a, a third party channel. Um, I've noticed a, a couple of interesting um, collaborations that we have termed partnership channels. I think, Benny, there's one with um, ZDF Studios in, 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 in Germany kind of how how do they work that's i assume a relationship with one particular provider but it's a collaboration on that channel yeah uh clearly um uh, collaboration uh very close partnership uh, specifically with this partner um but i can tell you a little bit more about this uh later on uh let me uh quickly um turn uh what Pauline just described uh, from her angle, from the owned and operated angle, into what uh, I am doing. So um, uh, the difference is, uh, like I said at the very beginning, O and O and third party. So um, the country leads are responsible for the third party channels, and there we are trying to get also the biggest brands, the the biggest broadcasters, the well known brands, the single IPs out there, um, and all these recognizable. Uh, brands uh, we all know from classical broadcast but also from the from the big streaming brands on the one hand but also um, the big studios uh, so uh, those channels are then um, different from the owned and operated channels uh, we get uh, 24 7 uh, feeds from the partners uh, so this is um, a ready channel um, to to be uh, inserted in our tech environment, and then um, we just play it out um, on our platform. And also rebroadcast is um, uh, is one topic. Um, that's when we just use the the classical twenty four seven linear channels uh, and put them into our TV Plus environment. Great. In in getting involved in licensing content and managing channels versus letting someone else just give you the feed and just taking a share of the, the revenue or inventory as you would with a 
third party is kind of a whole different ball game and is is kind of arguably new territory for for Samsung. Um, are you likely to increase your strategy um, kind of in terms of the, the volumes of O&Os that you have? Um, how, how do you see that evolving as part of your kind of overall strategy, Pauline? So, um, so just to outline, as of today, um, we have over 40 channels across Europe that we either schedule or license content for. Um, content can be licensed on an exclusive basis. So that will usually tick the premium box for us. Um, recent examples of channels only available on Samsung are our compilation channels that I alluded to earlier. So for example, in Spain, we have Todo Crimen, which is a true crime and scripted crime channel. In Germany, we have Comedy Mix, which is a scripted comedy channel and stand up. And then in the UK, we have um, channels like the Jamie Oliver channel, um, which is a, a channel um, collaboration with over over 20 years worth of programming from Jamie Oliver's back catalogue. So all of Jamie Oliver's um, content is in one place, all you can eat for, for want of a better expression. Um, and then we also have things like um, America's Got Talent and American Idol, which historically were only available on Netflix. So there's been lots of step change in what we've been doing in licensing over the last few years. Um, so in 2024, we want to build on those successes, continue to look at what's working, what needs improving to raise the channel bar further. So for us, it's not simply about adding more channels, but it's about improving and strengthening our existing portfolio of compilation and single IP channels. Um, I, I don't think it's about necessarily volume and adding more and more channels. Yeah. Additionally, we have a soft ceiling and that, that's across the whole of Europe. We have a soft ceiling of a certain number of channels per market um, to avoid overwhelming audiences and ensure the content is also still easy to navigate through. And what content is working well can you can you speak to that whether it's kind of on a territory basis or a, a genre basis because I can imagine that because of the reach of Samsung and the success of the platform you are inundated by requests from content owners and distributors to to talk to you about what you could potentially do together so there's two parts of this question kind of what content is working well uh, and how do you decide kind of um, what content distributors and owners that you, you want to review and want to work with? Yeah, uh, very good question. Let me take the, the first part of the question, then I hand over uh, to Pauline uh, for what content we are taking. So uh, what's working well across EU5 um, or across the board in Europe, we can say that uh, mainstream contents um, are working very well, like um, news, movie series, uh, Pauline mentioned before, cooking channels, uh, sport channels, and uh, also kids channels are working very well. So um, these are um, the ones which work well. We see also single IP channels uh, working very well. Like in Germany, for example, we have the Baywatch channel. Also in some other territories, we have it. Um, but also the, the ZDF Studios TerraX channel we are having in Germany uh, works very well. Uh, furthermore, we um, we have also some um, some call it niche contents. Um, 
which work very well. Um, just to point out some examples uh, from the from the Dach region. So we have uh, the first fully localized uh, uh, Bollywood channel live since a month, and it work it's working extremely well together with C1. Uh, and uh, furthermore, we have um, opened up a complete new genre in uh, on TV Plus in Germany. We had it already in France with a with one channel. But now we opened up a complete new genre in Germany for the anime uh, genre, which is uh, working very well. And we will continue uh, to, to do the next steps in all these genres. So, Pauline, what about the content we want to acquire? Yeah, so I think from, from my perspective, we would um, firstly, we look at, you know, the current proposition across Europe, what's working well. Um, and we also can tune into, you know, complete data set across 24 countries globally um, to help inform our decisions on what to acquire. Um, it's really a rich source of data for us, um, very valuable, enabled to maximize our efforts across acquisitions, editorial, um, even the scheduling of the channel and, and also marketing. So we're looking at varying programming types and genres, which will keep the fast audiences engaged and drawn in. And we can also, um, we look at test, testing and featuring genre strands on our entertainment channels in the UK and Germany. So in the UK, uh, one of our flagship O&O channels is Entertainment Hub. And in Germany, we have our flagship entertainment channel, which is called Entertainment Mix. So that's another um great test for us in able to really test what works well and expand out on those genres where, where needed but you know it, it it's all of the genres you'd expect that that does well entertainment and, and crime cooking and, and things like that so we really are are testing before we expand those efforts fantastic i imagine there's many in the industry who are very envious of that data set that you guys have access to and, and would love to get our hands on it to, to, ha to have a look at it but you mentioned benny single ip uh channels are are, are are good performers do you think the reason for that is as simple as kind of signposting so from a discoverability perspective and marketing it's very clear when you go onto the guide for a, a audience member to understand what that channel is and, and click on it. Do you think it's as simple as that? Yeah, I think so. It's uh, that simple. Uh, we also recommend all our content partners uh, who are not doing single IP channels that they be as simple and direct uh, when it comes to the, to the channel name and channel branding. Uh, because uh, obviously EPG is one of the major entry points um, uh, for our for our service. Uh, so therefore, anything which is simple and clear from our uh, branding perspective works pretty well. Great, and we'll we'll talk about performance of content in a, in a little bit. But just to wrap up this section on on kind of content strategy, um, sports content. Kind of often cited as as being kind of the most important content in terms of customer acquisition and i see that you know you have many relationships in this regard and actually in the last few days um, a couple of new ones have been announced i see you've extended your relationship with DAZN um, and also pga do you see benet that this is an area that you're going to continue to 
push on with it obviously sounds like it's been been working because you've in, in, in extended these partnerships yeah to give you uh, a pretty straight uh, answer yes uh, we will uh, further expand uh, in this uh, genre and um, uh, it is a very important one we see this in all our countries where we have premium sports live uh, and it uh, also works very well but just to give you a couple of examples what we are doing already and what we are having uh, on a pan euro uh, level uh, already live and um, not only live within the service but also live in terms of um, live sports which is always the differentiator right so um, as you said PGA uh, we just launched them uh, we have La Liga uh, we just launched them in Spain um, um, like the the Spanish league and their own fast um, uh, proposition we have already since a couple of years live the tennis channel including a lot of live content um, from different tournaments. We have uh, on a pan-euro level, um, we have also uh, motorsports channels live with live races uh, in different um, areas. We have FIFA Plus live since the last World Cup, Women's World Cup, uh, which works also very well across the board. And uh, we have then the, the overarching, let's say, the zone partnerships, but because just from a pure channel amount on a pan-euro level, um, that's the biggest partner at the moment. Um, so we have different DAZN uh, channels um, in different countries in Europe. Um, we have uh, DAZN women channels. Uh, so in Germany, that's called DAZN Rise with the uh, UEFA Champions League, uh, women's UEFA Champions League live on, on our service, um, which is a really buzzing um, uh, sport uh, and movement at the moment, uh, which is good uh, for us and good for the different leagues. Um, and then we have, uh, let's say, our highlight uh, channel, um, which we uh, launched last year in December. That's the Zone Fast Plus, uh, exclusively in Germany and uh, Austria, where we have uh, live football games from the Spanish League every weekend, the uh, French League and the Italian League, and always only the top uh, games. So we don't uh, have like... Uh, uh, the last uh, two playing against each other, but more like the Barcelonas, the Real Madrids and the PSGs um, playing against each other um, on our service live, plus the UEFA Champions League show, uh, which we have on Monday exclusively and um, shot in a specific uh, studio, a TV Plus studio by the zone and on Friday with all the highlights of the Champions League uh, match day with all goals and interviews. So, um, yeah, it's pretty amazing uh, just looking into sports, um, what's happening. And uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, there's uh, so much more uh, coming around. It's an extensive offer. And I think the important point is that there's a lot of live content in there. This isn't just kind of archive library shows. It, 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 you know, there's, 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 there's live sports there. Super, super interesting. Um, I want to talk a bit about kind of localization as I have two European specialists on, on the pod with me. Um, like with much of our industry, the video landscape is very different outside of the US and with fast, this is no exception in Europe, they're kind of distinct market characteristics, meaning that the, the fast market is developing very differently and presenting some unique challenges and, and opportunities. 
In Europe, we have a strong free TV offer, meaning that kind of often local TV dominates and lots of popular content is, is only available via those free TV services. We have multiple languages presenting challenges with localization for distributors, with subtitling and, and dubbing. What do you think, Pauline, needs to happen to make the EU grow fast? I was trying to avoid using that pun, but I just couldn't think on my feet for a better word. <laughs> what do you think needs to happen to make it grow at the same rate as the US? Or are we not likely to see that? Um, I mean, I think you've you've summarised it actually quite perfectly in your in your uh, question because you know to your point, um, you know historically, the US has been a predominant pay TV market, so adoption has been much quicker. Um, also, one one main language, so they're already two huge hurdles because Europe is obviously um, multiple language. Also, many strong free to air markets uh, within Europe, so it's you know, the fast proposition in Europe needs to stand out to, to gain traction and to your point, grow faster. So I think it's vital for for for, for, for fast services to grow uh, or to try and catch up. I don't know if we will ever catch up, but to grow, I think, you know, content has to be acquired um, to, to resonate with local audiences. So whether from a licensing perspective, we license content, that is in local language or it, it's dubbed or subbed. All of our O&O channels um, are, will resonate with local audiences and they have, um, you know, all, all channels are localised. So we are starting to see, um, you know, there, there will always be constant growth, um, which makes sense because TV Plus is pre-installed on all devices and everybody who buys a new TV buys a smart TV. So our potential reach... Uh, continues to grow, and we see and we see adoption increasing in terms of our monthly active users. So there will always be growth there. Interesting. And and Benny, we alluded earlier to the importance of free TV in Europe, and you come from one of the kind of main German uh, broadcasters. Are we likely to see? And I know we already are seeing in certain territories like Spain the free TV broadcasters coming on board. Um, can can you speak to that? What's your kind of hypotheses with how that might progress in, in the EU? Yeah, overall, I think uh, we can already see it on a pan-euro level that uh, this is happening. Um, so that's not a secret. Uh, we have already uh, La Sette in Italy live. We have RTVE in Spain live. We have uh, BBC and ITV um, in different territories live with uh, their different propositions already uh, since a long time actually uh, just looking at the BBC channels and um, in Germany we have this partnership with uh, ZDF Studios um, and they have um, access to the ZDF content so therefore um, uh, with TerraX at the moment uh, we have a, a very very popular and um, well-known brand live on the service. But on the other hand, um, I mean, uh, as I as I have worked for a broadcaster, I can say that um, they they have uh, maybe different strategies, and therefore uh, the fast track is at different speeds uh, when it comes to the different broadcasters. They have their own B-Word services in Germany. We call them 
Mediathe Mediatheken, uh, ProSieben has Join, uh, RTL has RTL Plus, uh, just looking at the German market. So therefore, um, uh, it's, a, it's a difficult situation, I think, uh, for everybody um, uh, from a broadcaster, broadcaster point of view. But um, at the end of the day, I think uh, more and more will move into fast because uh, the, the majority of the audience are no longer spending a lot of time in linear environments and prefer streaming. So the distribution strategy of any content provider uh, needs to be um, account, uh, needs to account this uh, into, their, into their strategy. Yeah? So um, yeah, overall, I think um, this will happen. And um, uh, as we can see in different markets in Europe, it is already happening. And I mean, uh, just to add uh, one one more thing, um, I mentioned this uh, a couple of times uh, before already, but um, the the incremental reach and incremental revenues uh, broadcasters can drive through fast are um, are really um, there and pretty high. So therefore, um, I can only recommend it uh, because we see it in different um, uh, data sets that uh, the, the, the main trigger for broadcasters is the incremental uh, piece of it. Yeah, I think, and I think that's key, isn't it? Because kind of common experiences when working with free TV broadcasters, and I'm talking about their flagship channels here. So I, I'm talking about the kind of their main channels rather than different iterations of their feeds, has always been about concerns over fragmenting viewers from traditional TV services and the impact that can have on advertising um, and and kind of general viewing. But it, it seems that you're putting a good case together that this is the way that viewing is going and therefore you, you really want to be on board and taking advantage of that as opposed to, to staying clear and having concerns about it. But it's very complex, yeah. as you as you pointed out. Great. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about performance. Obviously, fast revenues are ultimately driven through eyeballs and kind of a common agitation from content owners is the lack of data to support them with things like making amendments to, to schedules or understanding what's working and what's not. Benny, how are you helping content owners improve their offering on, on, on Samsung? Yeah, I mean, first of all, uh, I'm in constant contact with any of my partners and um, uh, I'm assuming or I know that all my uh, Pan-Euro colleagues uh, do the same. So therefore, uh, we always try to educate them and learn from them on the other hand. Um, so therefore, uh, this is happening um, uh, constantly. Um, overall, um, uh, we for the partner channels, for the third-party channels, we provide uh, uh, our partners um, with viewership data, um, such as um, monthly active users, average viewing time, etc. So um, I think this helps them pretty much um, to make the most out of the partnership with us. And one of the, the challenges that I imagine Samsung have is that you are a smart TV provider and you have multiple services available on that smart TV, not just Samsung TV Plus. You have other AVOD and, and Fast services How who are all competing for attention. How do you manage promotion of Samsung TV Plus versus kind of making the other services available on your, your platform? 
Yeah, very good question, Haley. Um, and yeah, you're right. Uh, we have one or two other uh, services, uh, SWOT, AWOT, whatever, on our platform. So therefore, it's a tricky one. But overall, as a device manufacturer, uh, we are always uh, putting the users in the center of our strategy. So our concern is, first of all, um, to make our users happy, right? Um, and uh, that the users uh, want to access all the content uh, that they want uh, and they want to find it easily. So we we touched that before uh, when it comes to the EPG, uh, but there are also different uh, other interfaces on our um, in our um, in our environment. So therefore, um, all this uh, Tyson platform, how it is called, our operating system, is make uh, is made to 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 find whatever you want to watch uh, in an easy way. And um, therefore, uh, we also have different um, banner options uh, to promote um, apps, to promote TV+, Plus, for example, the new Must-Head, uh, which is a big banner uh, on the newer uh, devices. And um, that's working very well for all of the uh, uh, partners, right? I mean, not only for uh, the TV+, Plus channels. Obviously, sometimes we are also um getting the space for the tv plus channels but also for any other partners out there yeah and it's um you know there's lots of advantages and, and disadvantages to the different types of pl fast platforms that we're we're seeing in the market but of course the the key um the key benefit to, to samsung is obviously you own the device and you control the positioning and therefore the promotion so you're in a, a strong a uh, strong position when it comes to discoverability, which I'm sure is, is kind of really attractive to many content owners that, that want to work with you. Um, super. I, I'd like to talk about the future, <laughs> do some future gazing here, Pauline. Um, you mentioned looking at 2024, that it's not necessarily about increasing volume, but it's, it's looking carefully at what's working and expanding on some of those relationships. What, what's next for Samsung? Um, yes. So, yeah, as you allude to, uh, Hayley, I think it is definitely more about looking at what works well for us now, not necessarily adding more and more channels. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll look at the curation of premium content on our O&Os and we're expecting continued growth in adoption of our first fast services across Europe. Um, we have some very exciting channels uh, launching around the same time this podcast goes live, fingers crossed. Um, so we'll we'll have two festive uh, movie channels. Festive Hub will return to the UK. Um, th that worked really well for us last year. And we'll also expand in that out into, um, into Germany, Austria and Switzerland as well. And that will be called uh, Christmas Mix. So that's going to resonate with both viewers and advertisers. Obviously, it's a key quarter for, for our advertisers. Um, and then further afield in Q4, we have um, another big launch coming up in the UK. Can't say much more than that, but I am very excited to see this channel launching in the UK. So stay tuned. Um, so that, that's all very exciting. And then we're still very much in planning phase for, for 24. So hopefully we can share more with you um, uh, in 2024. Fantastic. And, and Benny? Yeah. Um, first of all, uh, I, I think uh, in, in, in any uh, launch window, in any release, we have pretty amazing channels launching, uh, be it third-party channels or owned and operated channels. So therefore... Um, that's exactly the quality uh, we are aiming for, um, what we do at the moment and what we are launching. 
but I'm um, especially um, uh, proud in terms of uh, strategic partnerships um, with uh, bigger partners and uh, therefore uh, we will uh, further develop and uh, and make the partnership with ZDF Studios even bigger than we have it now. So therefore, um, when this podcast airs next week, we ho hopefully have also a couple of new ZDF Studios channels up uh, up and running uh, for the for the German market um, with a, with big brands um, they all know from classical linear TV. Excellent. Well, well, thank you very much for for teasing us with some of those upcoming releases. We'll we'll mm -hmm. be uh, we'll be watching closely as as they get formally announced. Um, well, ha have a have a great week at, at Mitcom, guys, and, and thank you again for sharing with us some of your insights and and strategy behind Samsung's TV Plus activity. It's a fascinating space to watch, and I think we're all um, kind of interested by how quickly this space is is evolving and, and moving. And Samsung are a real key player in 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 this activity. Um, and I hope you'll join us again soon on Inside Content and we can have a, a catch up. Thank you, Heidi, for having us. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside Content, the TV industry podcast brought to you by 3Vision. With decades of TV industry experience and real world success, we know the ins and outs of the market like nobody else. To learn more about our TV consultancy services, head to 3vision.tv.